Hello and welcome to this episode of the PE podcast. My name is Jack Jacob and I am your host. In this episode, I'm joined by Johnny Wathen, who's the CIO at Wellspring Academy Trust, which is a large multi-academy trust based in the north of England. Johnny and I talk through his journey from starting his career as a quantity surveyor apprentice through to working for the NHS to his current role as the CIO for a large academy trust. Johnny describes how his varied career path, and that consists of working in further education, providing summer camps and sports coaching for primary age children, and to being a curriculum leader in a secondary school, have really given him different perspectives which aid him in his role today. We discuss how he believes a background in physical education shapes school leaders, and how Johnny's passion for transformation in education drives his decision making and leadership style today. Please do enjoy this episode as we get to know the person behind the job title. Hi everyone, before we get into this conversation, just want to give a shout out to the episode sponsor, Guide Teacher Development. Guide Teacher Development provides accredited training courses, CPD and other best practice expertise to hundreds of schools across the UK. What's different about Guide Teacher Training and rather timely given the current global situation is that 100% of the training they deliver is delivered online and has been since 2017. Their revolutionary online platform designed by an Ofsted outstanding former head teacher can help every single member of a school to staff to develop their career all training content is available in one place at any time and accessible anywhere on any device. Guy Teacher Development provides fully accredited expert training that is effective, engaging and evidenced. It dramatically reduces the cost of face-to-face training programs whilst being easier for staff to complete in their own time, yet still trackable by school senior leadership teams. To find out more, please visit www.guideteachertraining.com. Right, so um, let's talk about a bit about you growing up and and so on. So, you know, first of all, you you work in a you know an academic environment now. You're the CIO for um, for a, a, a multi academy trust. Um, were you academic growing up? Yeah, good 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 question. I guess um, I'd, I'd say that I kind of uh, was 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 always kind of um, uh, uh, interested in in school um, and. Uh, really found sort of subjects challenging but I wouldn't have called myself um, an academic uh, and right. I think in terms of uh, you know grades and and, and you know uh, exams and all, all, all that that uh, we kind of go through um, I always did okay never never sort of um, top of the class and, yeah. and, and never sort of uh, really really struggling um, so I, I enjoyed um, applied learning uh, I guess and, and so being able to understand uh, the theory behind things, um, but also then to to keep asking the question of well, why is that and and, and learn through doing um, was always kind of my best um, approach to education. Yeah, it makes sense. So where so where did you grow up then? Talk to me about your childhood. So I grew up in uh, in in Leeds um, yeah. and, and Leeds born and bred, as you probably gather from the accent. Um, oh, I'm awful at accents. I'm awful yeah. at accents. And. Uh, and 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 really kind of re- retained in, in the area so studied um obviously primary secondary education um in 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 south leeds area and then went to um uh, what they called at the time a partnership provision um which uh, offered a range of a levels uh, and, and other subjects uh in, in in an area called rothwell okay yeah so that was um 
that was kind of a, a unique experience because you got to interact with um, uh, peer groups from other local schools in, in like a, a, a collegiate environment, but not yeah. quite going to college. Yeah. And so what's that, that? What's that school called? Is it right near Alton Hall, the hotel? Uh, there is one of the schools that was part of the partnership there. So that was, uh, I went to a school called Redillion. Um, right. The school that you're referring to is um, possibly Royds School. Royds, that's it. Royds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, near, near uh, Alton Hall, you know the area. Uh, well, yeah, because well, because well, we 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 run events at Alton Hall, um, so we use that as our northern venue. Um, so, um, so yeah, it's, it's um, obviously very well. It's it's the area um, where where you went to school and grew up. Then, yeah, so I'm probably probably about five five or ten minutes from Alton Hall where I live. Um, yeah. And yeah, and there was a, a local, um, really small. Uh, further education college as well as part of that partnership which gave it a little bit of a um a little bit more diversity than, than a, a traditional sixth form and so i kind of got to that stage of my um my journey and you, you get through that kind of year nine choosing your options and and uh, doing your gccs and you get to, to to make those choices at um at a level uh post 16 um and I didn't really know what, what subjects to choose because I kind of, you know, I enjoyed certain subjects as most people do. And um, I liked physical education and PE um, and, and uh, was a, a keen sports person. But I also uh, enjoyed computers and technology. Um, and I also enjoyed um, understanding, uh, probably with the PE link, um, anatomy, physiology and, and the biology aspects of it. So I ended up having a, a real... Um, uh, mix of, of A-levels that didn't quite lead to any specific path other than yeah. well I enjoyed those subjects so let's uh, let's give it a go and see how I, how I fared. Um, deep down uh, and, and maybe subconsciously um, whenever you got the opportunity to do things like work placements I always ended up um, back in a school environment so maybe that's where I, I felt um, at ease and at home and, and that obviously uh, probably inspired my um, my next step, which was to go to, to uh, Leeds Met University, uh, which is now Leeds Beckett's, uh, and study physical education as a, as a subject. Mm. Uh, and by that time, I'd had every um, uh, intention of becoming uh, probably a secondary school PE teacher. Um, that was kind of the, uh, the, the route I saw myself heading, uh, heading into. Um, and, and yeah, sort of completed that study after a few few years at, um, at Leeds Beckett's. Whilst I was studying, um, I went through a range of, of jobs just to kind of get uh, not only some some income, but to get some um, perspective into different industries. So mm. I got a range of, of, of jobs, um, one of which actually taking it back to uh, my pre-post 16, um, I even uh, considered uh, taking up a, an apprenticeship in quantity surveying just because a lot of my family was in construction industries and I was told that was quite a good trade to, to have. Quite a good earner. Um, yeah, good earner. I, I did it for around sort of maybe three months and, and thought this isn't, this isn't really for me. So mm. I took up my offer at university then. And then throughout my studies, I uh, did a lot of work, um, including worked for the NHS and, and sort of on the, uh, at the time it was called NHS Direct and it's now the, uh, the 111 service. So there's, there's okay. a synergy there between... Um, the kind of healthcare aspects of, of what um, I've, I've picked up through experiential learning and, um, and kind of the role that I found myself in today. So 
on on kind of graduating, I, I then got to a, a, a point of well, what do I do now? Um, and my first uh, job um, in the line of, of work that I saw myself uh, entering into was actually as a tutor at Wakefield College. Um, so Wakefield being a further education college, yeah, uh, delivering A level PE at the time and um, uh, further education. Do you have to is- go. Do you have to do a PGCE and and, and stuff like that to to to, to do that. Yeah, so my my um, my kind of my route into PGC. So when I finished my degree, I was looking at options, and one of those options was to uh, go do a secondary PGC um, at Leeds uh, Leeds Met University. Um, and there was quite a lot of uh, competition for those places. I think they took on twenty places per year. Mm. And I think it was in excess of two hundred people on, on the course I did, uh, in addition to um, similar courses like sports science and, and, and the rest of it, plus yeah. the external applicants. So really, really competitive. Um, and I wasn't able to secure a place on that um, PGC at that university. Uh, but my um, my other option was to do an in-service PGC, which meant um, studying whilst working. And I did that through Wakefield College um that's where i commenced my studies and did it over two years so it was almost like evening uh, tuition yeah um, it qualified you at the time to to work in uh, the post 14 sector so you could work with um secondary age pupils right through to uh, adults and um it was it was over two years as i said so this the second year of it i actually secured a a permanent contract at a, another college which coincidentally was uh, Joseph Priestley College at the time, and that was one of the colleges in the partnership that I described to you earlier. So okay. it was um, a real kind of homecoming. You kept, you kept it all local. Yeah, keeping keep <laughs> it local and, and, and kind of giving back to the, the community, really, in, in, in that respect. Um, but that job was uh, where I diversified yet again into um, delivering what they called public service provision, and that was uh, certainly... Um, something I could draw upon from the, my time working in the NHS um, and also I delivered on some of the sport provision within that role so I was able to deliver um, uh, PE, uh, fitness uh, and, and so on. <clears throat> so that kind of was when I kind of really decided upon you know I enjoy working in the further education sector and that was a, an area where um, opportunities are endless because you know no two years are the same. There's always change, whether that's driven through government policy initiatives or whether that's through um, the need for, for, for reorganisations um, within those uh, those settings. Yeah. Um, and very quickly, I was able to um, progress from uh, being a, a frontline teacher uh, or lecturer, uh, as they were referred to in those um, settings, to uh, a curriculum manager and managing a very diverse portfolio um, of, of provision. Joseph Priestley College was at the time the third smallest college in the country so you can imagine in order to have a, um, a broad curriculum offer yeah. um, a relatively small workforce uh, I got given the opportunity to manage a range of, of things beyond um, areas that I was a, a subject specialist in sure. so um, I picked up um, responsibility for uh, in addition to sport and public services construction um, which had uh, carpentry and joinery, painting, decorating, yeah, as well as IT and yeah. you know, 
my kind of and, and when I kind of think back now there, there were all things I could relate to so even though I may not have been the subject specialist in those areas I was I was very passionate about uh, making it the best possible provision uh, for yeah. the communities that we served and I spent a few years um, uh, at the uh, at the college um, uh, developing uh, those those curriculum areas and um, experienced then a, a really big transition which was to merge as part of a, um, a merger with, at the time, it was referred to as Leeds City College, which is now yeah. Illuminate Group as, as part of a, a broader um, educational offering. And um, Leeds City College was an amalgamation of a number of colleges across the uh, Leeds City region um, that had previously kind of come together probably 12 or 18 months prior to our merger. Um, but at that time it meant working with the college in order to um, transition my departmental portfolio into the uh, larger structures of that organisation. So uh, quite a daunting prospect, um, uh, almost handing over. And how old was you at this time? Uh, I was I was probably, um, I took up that post around 24, so we're probably talking 26, 27 yeah. um, as yeah. a as a. As a a, a young uh, manager um, uh, for, for fulfilling uh, what was the right thing to do at the time um, in terms of economies of scale and, and um, I just had to kind of uh, trust in uh, the uh, the organization and, and, and demonstrate um, how I could you know work with that transition and, and add value so it was it was daunting it was scary um, but it was um, at the time you know the right thing to do because funding uh, didn't permit lots of small organizations to sustain um, in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, so in, in, in successfully transitioning within, within uh, into Leeds City College at the time, um, my role became almost, uh, you know, well, effectively redundant and, and non-existent. Yeah. Uh, but because I'd approached in a proactive way, um, the, uh, the management, um, uh, were uh, keen to support me into a, a role that was more um, focused on developing partnerships and so for for at least a couple of years I spent time working uh, for the college working as an outreach to other schools um, and got some really fantastic opportunities such as working with um, a local school uh, I think it was Coburn Secondary School to set up their A-level centre Okay. which was you know really um a really good opportunity um to to, to be involved in um and so when you say the part partnerships i was it partnering with the local schools around the area and absolutely yeah yeah so it was it was working with um they had a team uh, that dealt with what we called school links provision and so you had your individual departments uh, within the college and then you had the um the partnerships team uh, which reached out into uh, schools and in, in a sense it was uh, providing alternative provision for those schools yeah. to access um, and it was also about supporting transition so where pupils finish year 11 and were looking to progress into college it was making them aware of our um, you know fantastic offer that was available uh, and, and, and making that process and that transition as seamless as possible. And given, I guess, my experience today, um, that really resonated with me because I was I was keen to ensure that um, if you if you're not successful in whatever your first uh, 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 aim is, yeah. uh, in my case, it was to become a, a secondary school PE teacher. Yeah, um, there are alternative paths, and and so I kind of then 
diversified into um, FE sector because um, that was the opportunity that was available to reach the same uh, same endpoint. And so uh, having worked in that partnerships team, um, I was able to interface with uh, colleagues across all the departments. And again, the portfolio um, that I previously managed gave me uh, some common ground to, to build those relationships. Uh, and it also allowed me to work with um, schools in a, uh, a non-threatening um, uh, way because mm. naturally the schools had their own six forms and wanted to retain those, those pupils. And it was about making sure that the, the offer was um, uh, right for, for them. So was it about basically people that ne- might not necessarily like the curriculum that was on offer within their own six forms? Here's an alternative. And we've got X, Y and Z courses that, that you don't offer that, um, whether it be construction courses or whatever it might be, that perhaps less academic um, students um, that want to stay in education um um but but going down a different route so, so that that was the, the type of setup was it absolutely yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. so it, was, it was referred to as a, a a vocational offer or an alternative offer yeah um, and you know that included um we took we took some uh, young people from the age of sort of 14 to 16 which mm. was um those those uh, the naughty kids well um yeah of, often referred to uh, at the time you know by I was one of them by schools as the naughty kids and, and, yeah. and so we recognized that actually it was more about the suitability of the environment that they were in yep um, and the fact that uh you know engagement in maybe a traditional or academic sense um of, of, of the matter uh, a subject was was not right for them and therefore they did need to be uh, involved in a, a, a more um uh, varied curriculum offer so mm. some, some young people that was uh, entering construction trades for others, it was entering the more um, IT and digital uh, industries. Uh, for others, it was the public services. You know, many of them had aspirations to become um, uh, military or, or, or the police service. And yeah. so what are the skills requisite to, to get into those sectors? Um, it's very much uh, interpersonal skill development. It's not academic uh, qualifications. And so there was a, a lot of interest. And, and we had a really... Um, really strong offer that was that was available across the city uh, working with several hundred uh, you know students um, in, in in that department yeah so I guess the, the the next step for me was then um, you know that was more well, break it down sir. before we go on to too far in your career I just want to start I want to pick apart some of the stuff that you've you've mentioned so so you kind of dream job growing up was PE teacher um, so I assume you're, you're a sporty person yeah yeah, um, yeah, and, and enjoyed um, you know enjoyed all um, sports. Um, yeah. really Any particular favourites? Uh, play, played an awful lot of, of um, football and, and rugby league. Um, yeah. but, but athletics, you know, rugby league it. is such a northern sport, isn't it? You could say that. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> see, I don't even know where my local rugby. Said, I know yeah. where my local local rugby union club is. I got one, literally about half a mile left and one about a mile right um in my local area i got some francis in crawley town um but yeah rugby league i just i don't even know where they would where, where there probably is one local what wouldn't you know where it where it is but yeah such a, it seems to be a northern sport anyway it's um it, it it's really interesting because the school the high school that i went to was um formerly a um i think it was formerly a a, a grammar school many many right. moons yeah. prior to me attending 
Um, and so it was... Um, Why do you, do you not, would you not have attended it if it was a grammar school? Uh, well, that, that's, that, that's the question. Um, <laughs> probably not. Um, but, but the, uh, you know, that wasn't a, a, a decision. But what was a decision was what sports to engage in at the school. Yeah. And the, um, the, the head of PE at the time, uh, who, I, who I have to say was, was, was really an inspiration in, in, in one respect, uh, certain certain gentleman called uh, Mr. Mr. Jones. He was from Wales, yeah, uh, and he was an avid rugby union, uh, uh, you know, fan and uh, player, and um, uh, and therefore that was the the sport of choice in that setting. Um, and what was really interesting is that our year group in particular had some real high profile names, many of which actually went on to play um, professional uh, rugby league, um, uh, you know, for for uh, the likes of Leeds Rhinos and our cats Bradford Bulls um, at the time, and uh, there was a there was almost a boycott of of, of sport because um, they took rugby league. Uh, well, it wasn't on offer, and so the, the the negotiation that took place between the year group and the uh, uh. at the time was well, we'll play rugby union uh, as long as we can play rugby league uh, as well, and um, and so. I think they call that now pupil voice or learner voice. Um, right. <laughs> learner voice in, in action because there was a, a real um, a real passion for, for that. And yeah. I think the the, uh, the reason for that, um, in particular around rugby league and, and northern towns, is that sense of community. You know, there's a real um, strong following, and, mm-hmm. and the area that I live and in, in, in surrounding areas, there's, there's still that um, that uh, sense of community and belonging. Yeah, you, you, you definitely. You definitely get that with the northern clubs is that it's almost a club per city isn't it you know you've got say sheffield it's its own club leads it i'm talking football or or whatever sport it is but let's say football the, the sport that i know sunderland newcastle um manchester's got salford united and city to be fair liverpool's got Liverpool and everton but it's not like london where you've got west ham tottenham arsenal chelsea qpr um then you've got a few on the outskirts um, Brentford, Watford, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so, so there definitely seems to be more that, you know, it's that it's that kind of uh, coming together of a of a of an entire town or city on a Saturday afternoon to watch the, the team. And I suppose that's that that's the same for rugby league or rugby union or or in fact whatever sport it is. Yeah, and and, and I think that that also was part of the. Um... The passion for me around the, the subject of, of, of physical education because mm. you know I've come up um, many, many times with uh, does that mean you go out and play football every day um, yeah know, as a PE teacher or, or um, you know the, all the usual uh, jibes around it but um, yeah. as you're, not a real, you're not a real teacher you're a PE teacher precisely yeah. but when you um, when you actually break it down as a subject um, it's so interdisciplinary in terms of the uh, component uh, parts of, of the subject matter for example you can look into the history of, of, of physical education and, and, and the evolution of, of sports from you know prize fighting in the middle ages right through to um, you know professional boxing uh, in, in today's um, society and um, it's just really it's one of the only subjects where you can actually uh, uh, go very um, diverse and quite broad and I think that's why I like to because I get bored of, of focusing on one one thing as you probably gathered and so um i really did enjoy that subject um but did you play a sport at any particular level growing up uh not not at a professional level um yeah. obviously played played at um you know uh, uh 
amateur level, like, in, like a local team level kind of thing. Yeah, yeah football yeah. and football and rugby. But again, I've I've done um, athletics as well, and uh, uh, used to enjoy um, sort of throwing and, and, and jumping um, activities, uh, you know, yeah. high jump and, 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 and javelin in particular. Um, but never, never at a professional standard. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So, who do you support then, football wise? Uh, do you need to ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> given, given, uh, given what I've said, it's, um, it's got to be Leeds, Leeds United, and yeah. Uh, yeah, it's you know, fingers crossed. This you coming back? You going back up to the Prem? Uh, I, I, I hope so. Yeah. Um, you got honest. one hell of a manager. You got one hell of a manager at the minute. Yeah, it, it it takes all sorts really, and and he's doing he's doing a grand grand job, and uh, I just hope you know they they have um they have done an awful lot of work uh, over the past few years to get into the position where they are now. Yeah, or well, Spygate, of course, you know they got a lot of work behind the scenes. Yeah, using using all the uh, the the, the, <laughs> the uh, in the old book, but the um the good thing is I hope that they actually achieve it through merit. Um, yeah. it'd be really disappointing if. Uh, uh, you know, we found ourselves where the, the season was cancelled, and um, they had to, uh, you know, be promoted. Um, Seventy-five percent of the season completed um, yeah. because we'd never hear the end of it. You know, <laughs> it's like Liverpool. It's like Liverpool, isn't it? You know, they've waited so long to win the league. They've, you know, they've they're, they're clearly going to win it. Um, and you know, I reckon it'll get to a point where the Prem play. How, well, it wouldn't surprise me if the Prem played a handful of, uh, handful of games so then they won it mathematically and went yeah. right yeah well we'll get on with next season now um, so yeah but you're, you're the leader of the longest serving championship club aren't they that's that's a fact that you you, you may be more um, uh, I think, I think they are. yeah it's, they it's are. in time they've, they've been down you've there never gone down you've never gone back up have you uh, I believe we went down um, oh, did you yeah um I think we went down, yeah, to to lead one and, and then back up again. But the um, the being down there far too long here for my liking, you know, they yeah. are a, um, a a big city club, and and therefore um, not that it's ever God God given right, but they should uh, they should certainly be competing at the, the highest level. And as I say, the, the performances on on merit have, have gotten where they are now in the table, yeah. and I, I hope that um, you know by hook or by crook they get promoted. But um, yeah. I'd like to, like it to be done. As you said, with Liverpool mathematically, so that it. Um, yeah, 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 makes sense. Makes sense. So, right. so, 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 did you ever get to secondary school uh, PE teacher? So I didn't. I didn't work um, in a secondary school as a PE teacher um, yeah. by, you know, by by any particular role that I held. Um, I guess the closest I came to it was delivering uh, sport and PE to secondary school pupils um, in a college setting. Right. Um, yeah. So I guess it's it's one of the same in, in some respects. And um, I always enjoyed uh, teaching A-level PE. Uh, again, it was in a, in a college setting, but um, that would have been the same in a, in a post-16 sixth form. So um, I, I probably came as close to uh, becoming um, what I aspired to be originally yeah. Uh, yeah. As, as, uh, as possible at the time. Before then, I was um, uh, setting a, a, a course or trajectory to to progress into um, educational management, and that that became the um, the kind of next uh, focus and, and goal. Yeah. At, at, at that time, when I when I mentioned previously that I took up the curriculum manager's post, um, I had actually set up my own uh, business as well, and so 
I was doing a lot of sports coaching, um, uh, summer camps, yeah. and um, that gave me a real insight into the primary sector. And so I, I run um, uh, a successful um, offering within the locality through what was at the time called the School Sports Partnership. And that was um, uh, meeting uh, need and demand over the half-term breaks, over the summer breaks, before school, after school, lunchtime. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then, then, then it came down to um, what was going to give because I took on this this new curriculum management role and I took on um, uh, you know uh, more and more contracts uh, from a business perspective. And at the time, um, you know, still relatively young, I was I was looking to secure um, uh, you know a mortgage and and, and all the rest yeah. of it. And yeah. At the time, the you can't the, do it all, can you? The, the safer option for me was um, was to uh, take the the permanent employment uh, at that time. Yeah. yeah yeah makes sense makes sense so 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 how do you then become from you know a, a p teacher to a curriculum manager and i know there's other steps in between but then to be a you know someone leading it and digital within an organization because you know i think typically you'd expect some of that job title that they've gone to to i don't know college or university done a sports um, a sports science a computer science type degree or they've gone on an apprenticeship and they've been a network analyst and they've worked their way up or come from a coding background um, and then got into management and leadership and so on. So, um, yeah, talk to me about kind of, you know, IT for you then and, and, and how you become, um, you know, the, the, the leader within your organization, uh, a chief, uh, chief information officer, um, not too long after, or, you know, within what, 10 years of, uh, yeah. Um, it was. It was. It's a really. It's a really good question, actually, and I sometimes um, uh, have to remind myself of, of kind of that that, that journey. Um, but that that's the really interesting uh, bit for me is that um, overarching is that you when you get to the level of of, of, of executive uh, officer within an organisation, irrespective of title, yeah, it is about leadership and it is yeah. about um, uh, leadership in the broadest sense. Um, and one of the things that uh, I don't know if this is actually a fact or just um, an observation, but many school-based leaders and leaders of education organisations, um, uh, a large proportion of them do have a background in, in sport or, or an interest in sport and a background in, say, physical education as a, as a degree subject. It'd be interesting to actually do some uh, research into the, um, the numbers there. Do you think that's because, you know, for me, when I grew up in school, you know, the, the PE teachers or the people that taught those subjects well, perhaps more on your level and you more, you trusted them more and you could engage with them more. And, you know, I remember there was a teacher called Mr. Easelick, um, who was a PE teacher, but also head of house, um, and dealt with behavioral problems. Obviously he had a lot of dealing with me. Um, but, um, you know, it, I think, is that, is, do you think there's a, there's a, there's a correlation because of the, the communication skills and perhaps the trust that students have with those types of people is naturally going to be more strong than say a, a maths teacher i think you're right i think i think it comes back to my, my earlier point which was um the interpersonal skill development so mm. some of the subjects that you you learn uh, and, and you can undertake um uh, whilst studying you know physical education as, as, a, as, a, as a subject mm. um you know, I was really keen to be involved in outdoor activities. And, and, and I think when I reflect on that, maybe the reason is because 
it pushes you outside your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, it forces you to work as a member of a team. Um, it requires you to be able to effectively communicate, uh, overcome adversity. And um, in, in, in a lot of the experiences I had, um, you know, I really thrived in that space. I really enjoyed the challenge and, and the, um, the, uh, the, 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 the need to be part of, of something that was going to overcome um, that, that adversity or, or that challenge. And so um, that was my kind of choice. Uh, I guess back to your, your, your initial question, I progressed from my partnership management role, and it was quite, you know, it's quite um, pertinent to, to kind of my journey. Uh, to take up a, um, a head of uh, head of school role within a college, um, which at this time was uh, Sheffield College. Yeah. Well, so was a head of school role just for, for me. So um, it was it was a role that um, effectively it's uh, uh, whether you, whether you call it head of academy or, or um, head of a, an area uh, within. Um, it's not uh, so not like a head teacher then. For, 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 from a, for those working in a school-based industry, it probably can be as close to being a head teacher um, as, as possible. Um, but the, the key difference for me was that in a college, um, there is a lot more emphasis on um, uh, student and pupil um, recruitment, retention, ensuring that the, um, the skills that have been developed support progression into employment. Okay. And, um, whereas in, in school, the focus uh, traditionally has, has always been um, uh, one of, of, of academic uh, standards and therefore, you know, the work towards the point of getting um, uh, exams and, and, and results uh, as, as being the, um, the key driver. Yeah. Key driver. Yeah. Whereas in college, it is more about um, the uh, economic contribution, um, you know, post uh, pupil comes onto a, onto a course, they study um, uh, floristry, you know what's their ambition and how are they going to then uh, thrive and, and, yep. and forge a, a career in that, in that area. Makes sense. So, um, yeah, so, so taking on that role was um, for me a step up from, from being a, a, a curriculum manager to being um, more focused around business development and looking at uh, growth strategies, looking at um, quality assurance um, systems and um, my passion for educational technology really kind of came into its own in that space and coincidentally i was just looking through um some of the uh, an old blog post i think it was and uh, i got involved at the time back in 2015 now um so five years ago uh, an online um it's called a, a mooc a massive open online course uh, which was uh, funded i think by the ufi initiative and it was um uh, cu- curated by university of leeds and Sheffield College was one of the partners that was involved in that um, course at the time called Blended Learning Essentials. And, and so sort of one of my passions was to ensure that wherever possible and appropriate, we were able to use technology to enhance learning opportunities. Yep. And so I've been a, a real big advocate um, of, of uh, Google technologies in particular, um, now known as G Suite for Education, uh, formerly as, as Google Apps for Education, okay. um, and the use of, uh, in particular, Google Classroom to deliver a blended learning and, and remote learning um, experience. Yeah. That was the case when I was a teacher, and it was the case at every stage through, through being a manager. And, and that's the kind of tenuous link, really, that sort of abridged my um, interaction with the uh, back office um, or support departments within the college 
So because I was quite passionate about technology and, and, and um, uh, IT, mm. I then uh, forged a very you know, good working relationships with those respective teams. So I was very much um, a part of the furniture within the IT um, uh, support team and similarly within the uh, management information teams. Um, often curriculum departments um, kind of stay within their respective um, uh, silos. Yeah. That's one of the biggest, biggest barriers to... Get, get um, EI, you know, raised eyebrows. What are, you do, what are you doing over here? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and if nothing else, it was for a coffee, a, a biscuit and a, and a catch-up. But yeah. um, actually, when I think back to why I did it, it was about building relationships, building rapport, and building that sense of teamness in order to get things done in the most efficient and effective way. Sure. And so, um, I spent an awful lot of time, you know, with, with every business support department, understanding what they did and how they were able to support me and, and my teams and my departments um, and how we could support them achieve their, um, you know, uh, whether it's compliance or, or regulation. And um, and I think through that, that kind of uh, uh, phase of my uh, development, um, I think it was noticed by leaders at the time. So um, I remember the principal at one point, um, invited me to get involved in uh, what they referred to as strategic uh, initiatives um, and, and development programs and um, initially as a contributor to those programs it was you know Johnny's got some good ideas or, or some opinion he's always got an opinion about yeah. something you know, involving um, but but then uh, as, as I progressed in my role it became to um, uh, be apparent that actually the principal requested uh, that I chaired um, some of those those project um, groups on the basis that it would be a curriculum led um, solution as opposed to it being driven by uh, the, the mechanics and the machine of um, yeah. uh, support center bureaucracy yeah and, um, and and I say that in the politest sense because if you took everything by the letter ie um, you know what are the requirements placed upon finance teams, what are the requirements placed upon um, uh, IT teams. There are so many um, uh, policy uh, and regulatory requirements. It, it almost hamstrings you from doing um, uh, the best thing for the, for the, for the core business, which is delivering high quality education. Mm -hmm. And just as a flippant example, you know, there was always this trade off between um, IT, you know, one, one curriculum uh, head, would ask for Max to deliver um, a digital media curriculum and, and gaming course to be met by a response which was uh, similar to, well, we don't support Max because we don't have the skills in this team, so therefore you're going to have to use you know, um, Dell uh, PCs. Well, that's not industry standard. That's not yeah. industry specification, but that's what you're telling me I can have. And actually, there was no appreciation that that was inhibiting uh, the growth of that particular yeah. area. So um, one principal saw through that and, and sort of gave me a brief to say, you know, challenge the status quo, you know, ask why, you know, be relentless around um, doing the right thing and, and do it in a way that was um, hopefully um, charismatic and, 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 and supportive. Yeah. But not, not argumentative, not, not, not yeah, trying yeah. to play a devil's advocate for the sake of it, you know, and Absolutely. so on. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, some days I probably got that right and other days I probably uh, uh, w w was way off the mark. But um, the one thing I was absolutely committed to um, and, and passionate about was doing what I believe to be the right thing. And yep. so um, 
that was was kind of my transition from focusing purely on the um the things i could directly control such as the the curriculum and the educational uh, mm. opportunity and all the annualized stuff of um Ofsted inspections you know but by by the age of um 30 i think i've been through uh, eight or nine um Ofsted inspections across four different organizations it, ranging from grade four uh, inadequate situations and rapid improvement right through to outstanding provision. And so um, I was looking for something new and, and I think that then gave Sounds a little bit like a, like a transformational kind of role, you know, like a, what would yeah. be described as like, I don't know, a, a digital transformation manager or something like that. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, so, so that was, that was kind of, um, you know, I was kind of then uh, wheeled out or involved or invited to, to join in, um, you know, absolutely anything and everything that, yeah. that would um, add value. And I think that the reason for that is, is there a better way of doing this? You know, what's the user experience like and mm-hmm. how can we ensure that we're working as efficiently and as effectively as possible? Yeah. Uh, how can we use the tech as the enabler? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. so that, that was the um, that was a driver for me because, well, I absolutely, um, you know, love technology. Um, absolutely. In my comfort zone, working in an educational um, sphere and um, keen to progress in a leadership capacity. How do I, you know, what's the next step? And so um, I was kind of keeping uh, a close eye on the academy's agenda because um, I had at different stages when I'd been looking for opportunities, um, considered transitioning into the, what, what was previously the school sector. Uh, and it wasn't anything that was, um, uh, you would have thought, you know, it was quite easy to achieve, but there was, there was massive, um, uh, uh, there, was, there was a lot of, um, uh, of, of traditional thinking. Uh, yeah, well, well, the thing the thing that I think you, from, from an outsider's perspective, if it, if it was on a school by school basis, you know, I remember on a school by school basis when I was in school, it was the IT team or the you know what's now seen as like the digital and, and infrastructure and so on. It was literally just IT support, and you know, if your computer went down, that was it. And and you know, I think that's for a couple of reasons. People back then probably didn't appreciate the the impact that technology would have on the the the, the student experience or, or even actually the experience of the teachers and 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 the support staff and everyone involved in 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 running these 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 organizations um and two the budgets you know they, they couldn't they couldn't pay for a say a cio for example or, or even like a head of it or a um and, and i appreciate in, in organizations a cio might be the head of it or whatever but um but but yeah so 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 for a few reasons i just don't think that would have been possible outside of a of a of a mat yeah but i think i think prior to me kind of getting to that real realization of of of, of looking for that sort of role mm. um i was obviously formerly a teacher and right. there, was, there was real traditional views on um you go do your secondary PGC and you come with QTS and you, you then get a job and you work your way up and you do mm. you know, a number of years doing this, that and the other. Um, I found that the school sector was, was quite traditional. Um, and so when the MAT agenda was, was gaining momentum and, you know, growing, I thought now, now the time is right to, to really um, take what I've learned 
and try to affect it in, in, in what is um, you know a, a new world for, for uh, schools uh, as a sector. So um, that was when I uh, saw the, the role at Wellspring. And that role was um, originally um, based on the, uh, the need to create the infrastructure and the systems um, to, to share information. You know, that right. the, the chief exec had a real um, uh, clear view that he wanted to ensure um, as we grew, at scale that information could freely flow between the, the constituent parts. Yeah. But as you uh, rightly said a moment ago, the infrastructure, the technology, um, the, the legacy um, arrangements just didn't necessarily um, uh, make that an easy job. Mm. And so there was a lot of manual handling, uh, erroneous data, uh, you know, legacy systems that were in, in some cases antiquated and, and were, um, in need of, of, of um, you know, complete uh, removal as opposed to um, uh, being able to evolve and keep up with the, the pace of technology. Yeah. Um, so the the value that I could bring was was almost uh, to that role was almost twofold. Uh, one, how do we do that? And two, um, from a different sector that has had to really. Um, uh, survive on a on a shoestring um, and innovate and, and, and be creative and come up with uh, efficient effective ways of working how can uh, i bring what you know i've experienced to uh, a sector that is um you know better funded um in terms of the academy's agenda uh, compared with the fe sector and uh, in a, a state of um maturity that that would really benefit from that so it was some some quite um, visionary leadership from the the chief exec of, of wellspring to see that and give me that opportunity based on on, on what i could um, yeah, bring yeah definitely um and uh so what was that what was the what was the job title of that first role then so it was as a it was as a, a cio um, oh, well, okay for, for the um for the trust uh but the role itself was um focused a lot around the information systems mm. and on your traditional school-based operations such as um, you know registry or um, uh, data uh, returns uh, and then one of the, the real timely um, uh, drivers for me was around GDPR and that became um, a real neutral ground because it was an area that people didn't feel comfortable and confident with um, I had uh, certainly uh, uh, experience of um, data protection uh, from some of my studies and, and from the roles that I'd held um, at the time maybe wasn't a uh, an absolute expert in that field but it was something that aligned very closely to um, uh, the business need and, and therefore um, you know with further training and development was able to really own that, that space and so my first six months at the trust as a um, as a CIO was actually spent preparing for um, GDPR. Right. But but in a way that was not um, uh, a policing, um, you know, a, a GDPR policing approach. It was very much around this new regulation is coming in. It's an evolution of the you know the former Data Protection um, Act and, and principles. 
and we need to be um, raising awareness of this because it ain't going to go away. It's only going to get more and more, um, you know, focused uh, around privacy and individual rights and freedoms. Mm. And how can we use that as a driver to achieve some of the other ambitions, which were, um, you know, data integrity, data standardization, information uh, sharing and, and, and flow. Uh, and, and as you touched on, it become more of a transformational role yeah. than, 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 than anything, um, uh, IT support. Um. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Make makes sense, makes sense, and, and and it's about how you can, um, kind of use that challenge of that issue to then, you know, find better ways of working elsewhere, and 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 it all kind of that being the driver for it. So, um, so when you, when you got the role, was was GDPR a thing, or was it like literally as you kind of signed the contract? boom, this thing popped up or, or, or was it, was it always part of the, the kind of initial brief of the role? It was, it was part of the initial brief of the role. Um, the, uh, the preparations for GDPR coming in, I think were at least a couple of years in, in, yeah. in, in the making. Um, however, like many things, um, regulations evolve and change. And unless you've got somebody who's going to concern themselves with that particular thing, um, you know, beyond the uh, the live uh, activities. So, for example, freedom of information is, has been a thing for for, for some time. Yeah. Um, they were just matters that were dealt with by, say, the governance team. Um, and so a person like me joining the organisation was able to then start to um, provide additional support or, or um, reshape how those processes would work um, mm. as, as a trust because the key difference um, in a lot of these projects and, and, and initiatives is that the, the trust is the legal entity and yeah. uh, they have to ensure um, risk is, is managed in a way that is palatable yeah. um, to assure the trustees and the board of directors um, and the executive team that the... Sure. Uh, um, Almost like a, a risk mitigation exercise as well as, uh, as, well as transformation. Uh, yeah. yeah so 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 that that's kind of back end stuff and and getting and and getting those kind of data flows right and so on um did has the role evolved or, or when did it evolve it has into kind of um how tech can be used to better the student experience or better the learning journey or better outcomes for teachers and the way that they deliver learning so has that happened or or is that is that is that something that, that's that's on the horizon um so the the role itself has been um uh, has been purely focused on the um the support center and the trust um making sure that our uh organization um can can function yeah um so there's been um limited opportunity to really uh, directly involve the learning experience um, as I would have done in a, in a, in a previous role um, where I was more curriculum focused. Yeah. Um, that said, I had, um, you know, in former roles, uh, introduced technologies such as G Suite for Education um, or being part of the team that introduced that certainly um, at uh, Joseph Priestley College at um, Leeds City College 
at Sheffield College and um, I found that really easy from a, a teacher perspective to take teachers with me on that journey because the minute you show them the tools and the technology they're like that's you know why didn't somebody show me this 10 years ago you know it, it's it's so intuitive and so um uh, uh, beneficial to both the staff and the pupil experience that it's, it's a no-brainer. Um, my new challenge was then starting that same uh, journey from the support centre perspective and taking yeah. leaders, managers and other office functions on that on that journey with me. Um, and so that's where really where I started out with, with this initiative and we decided to progress with some of the Google technologies around our digital infrastructure. So we introduced um, uh, seven digital uh, hubs, which were uh, kitted out with the um, Google Meet video conferencing technologies, as I, as I shared um, at the recent uh, uh, Partnership Network event. Yeah. Uh, and we strategically located them across the regions in order to say, irrespective of what's going on in your school, you know, because not every school could afford to, to, to get out a room with that technology, um, we will guarantee you access to those um, those hubs um, in order to access trust-wide meetings, in order to support sharing best practice for teaching and learning. Whatever you want to use them for, the infrastructure is is there. It's reliable. It's um, you know cutting edge in, in in many respects, and that got some real good buy-in from. Um, the back office and from the leaders mm. when those individuals started to see the real power and the benefits of that um, some leaders in their schools said Do you know what I really want to start to now explore um, the use of uh, Google Classroom and more recently Chromebooks uh, mm. as, a, as, a, as a pupil um, device and that's where I've been able to start to broker conversations now around um, uh, technology enhanced learning and the yeah. more logically focused uh, student experience now i've got to be mindful that um my role is is very distinct uh, it's not a curriculum focused role but mm. i can have tremendous value to those conversations so part of uh, the, the cio brief um as it's evolved has to um, take a lead on running um a portfolio of 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 uh of, of functions um, or business units that not only reflects my um, uh, areas of expertise and, 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 and interests, but actually complements and helps the organisation to uh, continuously improve. Yeah. So um, I refer to the areas that I look after now as commercial, digital and performance. Okay. Uh, commercial element includes uh, some of our traded service offerings so from a CIO perspective, I'm very um, keen to look at the, um, the analytics around um, and then the mechanisms for uh, taking our products and services to market. Um, you know, is this the right thing to, to, to be doing at this time? You know, who's going to be interested in these products uh, and, and taking our behavioral service offering, our mental health and wellbeing service offering and our recent um, SEND offering to, to market so that's almost like a product development sort of um, lens the digital lens we've, we've obviously talked at length about um, but interestingly that didn't include uh, trust wide responsibility for IT until um, probably six months into uh, the post commencing so my portfolio um, broadened at that point in time 
the commercial aspect joined again probably another six months after that. Um, so the performance aspects of, of what I look after um, is not only around systems and data um, flow and performance, but it's about understanding um, how do we know that we're doing a good job across our um, our academies. So I've worked quite um, uh, hard um, with colleagues to co-author um, trust standards and uh, the curation of what we've referred to as a, a trust standards framework. And that means that 25 um, highly autonomous academies can actually now work and understand each other in a, in a common, uh, common way when it comes to data and information governance. And uh, already I've probably talked about three very broad and diverse functions as though they, they are one of the same thing. But for me, that's because um, it is, you know, one thing and that is about having clear systems and processes, you know, clear purpose and, and being able to um, support the schools to, to be the best they can be. And then that's, that's kind of where I'm at now with the, the journey um, is about how do we ensure that we, take that infrastructure and that strategy and that um that work that we've we, we've done thus far and share it even wider with um you know other uh, schools academies local authorities yeah uh, up and down the country yeah yeah and, and and using that as a commercial and and partnership type arm absolutely so i think um you know we've we've, we've discussed a lot about your journey and 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 kind of how you've got to where you are i think what i want to cover just you know in the last couple of questions really is you know what what does leadership mean to you um and, and what makes a good leader so so we'll, we'll just discuss a bit about leadership if you don't mind so i think um i think my, my view on leadership is is about um achieving that that kind of shared um ambition and understanding uh, around a, a, a common purpose and um I referred earlier to sort of outdoor uh, activities being a really good uh, way to um, to unite people, and you know through adversity and challenge, pushing people outside the comfort zone. Um, whether that's you know climbing a mountain or, or going on a walk, or, or have you climbed any mountains? Then I've done I've done I've done a few um, in, in my time, but the uh, the. The situation is, you know, sometimes there's no turning back. You've just got to persevere, and you, you know, it, it ain't always nice. And you know, it might be cold, it might, it might be wet, um, and 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 so you've got to look after yourself. But you've also got to look after the people that you're with. And um, everyone's needs are different. Everybody's um, uh, prior experiences and, and 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 journeys have been very different. And you've just got to kind of um, continuously. Uh, nurture the relationships and build those relationships in order to achieve that, that that common purpose and so my my view and philosophy around leadership um is is very much aligned with that um uh, vision and values that that wellspring as an organization um upholds and that that is about inclusion you know making sure that everybody can can play their part and also about um relationships matter and relationships you know make a difference and that means how how do we move forward as a community? Uh, and you know that sense of community we talked about with with rugby league and, and yeah. uh, sports. Um, I, I kind of feel uh, at home in my current role, but also within the the organisation because it is about 
doing the right thing. It might not be in line with um, the, the latest, uh, you know, policy or regulatory sort of um, views and beliefs or political ideologies. But um, together, I think we can kind of move move forward as a as a, a community um, in, in in the way that meets the needs of our young people and meets the needs of of, of our workforce. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, so yeah, leadership is is is, a, is an interesting one. Um, early in my career, I saw leadership uh, and management being about titles and roles and structures. Uh, and actually, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned along the way is that you can still affect and influence um, irrespective of, of, of title, role and structures. It may be harder uh, to do and uh, it's it's often helped by um you know structural um uh, hierarchies and yeah. and the uh, uh, things but a lot of it as, as you will know comes down to um uh, networks resources and, and and the ability to communicate so leadership is is about how do you get the best out of each person in that team uh, in a way that is um uh, supportive of their needs personal growth and and, and, and development aspirations yeah, nicely put. Very nicely put. So, how how do you approach difficult conversations then? Uh, ideally, um, uh, try right. to try try to avoid them happening in the first place. <laughs> um, of course. But uh, I think where they need to happen, I think people appreciate uh, humility, and so with that, it's about being honest, open, uh, and transparent with mm. um, with with. Have you ever had to sack? Have you ever had to sack anybody or let someone go? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I've, I've had to do it once and, um, yeah, it was, it was awful. Um, it was not a nice experience, but I don't know if you'll resonate with me here, but it was so much worse in my head before than it actually was when I'd done it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, whether it is, um, dismissal or whether it is, um, difficult conversation or performance, I think that all anybody, I always look at it through, through my own eyes. You know, I think all anybody ever wants is, um, is, is, uh, clarity of, of purpose. Yeah. And so, um, whenever you are providing clarity and whenever you are, uh, working with individuals or teams to, towards a common goal, uh, and we are very clear with how those individuals contribute to that common goal. Mm. Um, the conversations are very much then around um, are you achieving that aspiration or or not and where you're not achieving that aspiration um, it, it's it's sometimes um, needed to be honest uh, with yourself and with with the team um, and if you do it in that way people don't take it personally you know this is not about a um often it's not about a um an individual's uh personality or an individual as a person if you provide uh support you know you provide the um the ongoing um uh, monitoring and evaluation of, of where you are on a particular thing project uh, initiative um it shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone if uh, things are not um where they need to be yeah yeah and, um, and i and i am all for uh, clear lines of accountability 
and responsibility but I also understand the need for collective um, uh, responsibility as well. Yeah. And so if people understand that from day one, then it ain't any surprise if, 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 we, if we start to have a conversation around things when they're not working. And um, we're working a time now where people are more um, open to different phases and chapters of their uh, career uh, journeys and, and, um, you know, traditionally, people would have got one job and, and stayed with it you know, for for eternity, um, and that's very different to uh, you know now, um, because I, I remember watching a video. I think when I was back at school, and it said, you know, by the time you're, you're thirty, you will have had so many different jobs. Um, that's that's true. You know, mm. that has happened, and I think that will continue to happen, and people will work in in a more. Um, uh, I, I, I before I started. Yeah. Uh, PNE Partnership Network Events. Um, so I left school at sixteen. I just I I got put on early study leave. Um, I I then come back had to do my exams in a room on my own because um, I was too disruptive to the group. Um, and then it and then it um, you know I then worked for a for a plasterer for um, for about seven eight months. My brother worked for him, so it just was like, yeah, do you want to? You know my brother big brother got me a job basically um and uh and then from there i got into sales but you know the amount of times that i was sacked or left like you know i if you'd have saw my cv you know four years ago you, you, i'd have been written off you know by by most especially by big corporate employers um and so i think it's about having that that ability to to kind of and it, and it doesn't matter you know if you get sacked from a job when you're young or you you leave because it's not quite right for you it's about trying many different things and and basically working out what might be right for you um and and then if you think something might be right focus on that for a little bit because you might be wrong and it might not be right um, um and the chances are that probably will be the case a couple of times until you fall into and and literally you know most people will fall into the jobs or have felt fallen into the jobs that they then run with and really enjoy and and go on to make a career out of so um yeah resonate resonate with that really do um so it's cool right my last question um so a bit of a left field one and it and it's basically just to try and put you on the spot a little bit and uh, and and get your brain working um but don't worry it's not going to be a, a hard maths equation so i so i asked this at the end of, of of every podcast so um right you know hypothetically speaking you've now left um your your role as a cio at wellspring um you are now the chief executive officer of a global consumer products brand um and uh you you've been brought on because you've got um a, a real innovating product um that uh, that can potentially change the world um but you're the ceo and you've got to put your board together uh, and you've got to make your last three hires of your board so you need a chief marketing officer you need a chief information officer and you need a chief commercial officer dead or alive from history celebrities entrepreneurs famous people etc etc or people you've worked with whatever you however you want to play it Who's your board? Who makes up your CIO, your CMO, and your CCO? Um, why those people? You know, who, who, and why? Well, that definitely is uh, it. Definitely is one that I need to think about because um, you know uh, there's there's lots of you know there's lots of fantastic people out there. Um, 
Uh, and I think, you know, you, you could answer that with some of the, the real big hitters that have, uh, you know, made um, prominence and, and, and uh, had had impact already. But I think um, I, I probably would, would go back to my earlier point about um, the, the names are irrelevant. I think that, you know, it's about getting the, the, the right people um, at that right time uh, uh, to, to ensure that, the the relationships are there and you know that is um probably a little bit of a, a get out rather than giving you some some specific names but i'd rather have a a, a board that understood you know the, the the product and the service understood um you know uh, i guess um the ambitions of, of, of that organization um and were there because they cared as opposed to um you could tell you work in it with such a logical answer yeah <laughs> Well, I think I think if you take it if you take it back to um, if you take it back to it's like the 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 the, the elite eleven football squad question. You know, yeah. like you could draft in the the, the top um, you know eleven players from from would, would they play well together or they well together? Probably not. And yeah. so um, I think it would have to be people that you know could could work collegiately. Um, were there with that that common purpose and were prepared to you know support and challenge um so if you want me to come back to you with some specific names i will do but um uh, no no i like your answer i like your answer it's um it's not one that we've had so far so uh this is brilliant but look johnny thank you so much um for your time and uh and uh, and joining the podcast it's been great to have you on and uh, and it's been great to get to know the person behind the job title yeah brilliant thanks for having me joe uh, speak soon bye mate Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to that episode of the PE podcast. If you like what you heard, please make sure that you share this episode via your social media channels, as it really does help us to gain traction in promoting this podcast series. Please make sure that you also subscribe to the channel that you're listening via, as you'll then get notifications as soon as we release our next podcast episode. Thank you.